So, we're looking at this passage tonight about how the Holy Spirit inspires Bezalel and those who work with him into great artistry and craftsmanship. So I thought we'd begin with an art quiz, just to test how much of a culture vulture you really are. So, you're going to see a few pictures. You get one point for the artist and one point for the work of art. The prize is to look endlessly smug at the end of the service. Okay, can we have the first one, please, Ken? We start easy. Can we have number two? Number three. Number four. It's inspiring, isn't it? Number five. Number six. And for this one, I'll accept the location, given it doesn't necessarily have a title. And number seven. Ooh, quieter. Right, well, on to round two. In round two, given that... No, I'm serious, it's round two. Uh, Given that in our passage, uh, God was describing the creation of this beautiful place to his glory. We're going to look at a few places. So one point for the name of the place that's built to the glory of God. Here's the first of them. And the second... And the third. Okay, should we do the answers? We're going to start with the third round because, uh, sorry, the second round, because <laughs> uh, they're familiar in our minds. So let's have the next slide. So this was Notre Dame, as many of you said, pre-fire. Interesting how the fire in that place has inspired such an outpouring of uh, voluntary donations. The second place was Sagrada Familia, lovely, the work of uh, Gaudi in Barcelona. And in case you can't travel to Paris or Barcelona to enjoy these, the third was much closer to home and was Wells Cathedral, of course, which is absolutely beautiful. Okay, let's go back to round one. Uh, The first of those was the Mona Lisa, of course, by Leonardo da Vinci. The one that followed that was The Thinker by Rodin. The third there was Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. The next one was Christ the Redeemer, the statue in Rio. Now, there are several possible answers for uh, the artist. You could have had the main sculptor, which was Paul Landowski, though it was a team effort, and it was George Leonida who sculpted the face. And then we ought to recognise with this piece in particular the engineers who enabled it to go there, who were Hater da Silva Costa and Albert Cocotte. Okay, so a point for any of those. Uh, the next one was the Dove of, Dove of Peace by Picasso. And then you had the Banksy in Port Talbot. And finally, the Barca Nostra, which means our boat. 
This piece is by the Swiss Icelandic artist Christoph Buchel. Uh, it is the key piece at the Venice Biennale, the art festival for all those in the know in the art world, those who weren't at Newbridge Arts Trail this weekend, that is. So this um, was essentially introduced to the world yesterday when the Venice Biennale launched. Um, it's actually a 90-foot fishing boat that sank in 2015 between Libya and the Italian island of Lampedusa. There were 28 survivors and between 700 and 1,100 drowned in the hull. The curator, Maria Chiara de Trapani, said this, we are living in a tragic moment without memory. We all look at the news and it seems so far away. Someone is dead at sea and we change the channel. She and the artist said they uh, picked this piece, they've developed this in the hope that it will make visitors feel respect and keep two minutes of silence to listen and reflect. And that for me is what I love about art. I love that it can cause us to reflect. It can cause us to look up, to look out of the mundane, ordinary, everyday. It can inspire us. It can challenge us. It can provoke us. It has the power to lift our eyes. And of course, I thought, our God is fundamentally our creator. We see that in all those lovely passages throughout the Bible of God as the potter and us as the clay. Um, In Jeremiah, in Isaiah, in Job. And of course, we see it in Genesis in the beauty of creation. Um, Looking at God's artwork in creation really can lift our eyes to the creator. And I wonder if you have somewhere special that you look to um, and when you go there, you feel closer to God and more able to worship. We're going to have a little clip so we can appreciate the beauty of the natural world in just a moment. And just while Ken loads it, you might want to chat to the person next to you about where is that place for you, that beautiful spot where you go and experience God's creation. So surely the earth speaks of the beauty of creation and the power of the creator behind it led me to think what is our response to climate change because we're destroying the beauty of God's creation and I wonder what our response is meant to be let's go back to the passage we were looking at tonight less political Um, So the Holy Spirit inspires and provides here. This passage and the building of the tabernacle, which is what God has tasked Moses with, is a bit like God's own grand designs. Um, Moses has been given this huge task, uh, but God has provided extensive plans and resources for every detail. And the book of Exodus works a bit in three parts. It starts with the escape from Egypt and the release of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And then you get Sinai and God outlining his laws and his vision for relationship with his people. 
And then you get to this, the sort of third part of Exodus, where God lays down his blueprint for the tabernacle. And that really is about God establishing his dwelling place. But make no mistake, it's a huge thing for Moses to do. Not least because when you think of the history of the Israelites at that point, having just been dragged um, into slavery and then freed from slavery, there is no way that this nomadic people, freed slaves, would have had the skills to achieve anything like what God was asking Moses to come up with. Um, In In Egypt, they would have been masons and bricklayers. But they would not have had anything like the craftsmanship that God is calling for here in verse 4, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. And therefore, God provides through the Holy Spirit all that is needed. And I just wonder whether you also feel at this time called to something so much bigger than you, which after all is very God. (laughs) Um, And you need that reassurance that God by his Holy Spirit will provide all that you feel is completely lacking in yourself. And also God provides a team here, not just Bezalel, but Aholiab too, because he knows that two is better than one, and a broader team around us. And sometimes that is what we really need, is the team that will support us. Bezalel himself, his name means in the shadow of God. And that's a really lovely reminder that in his shadow, we can do more than we dare dream. Interestingly, Israel's National School of Art is named after this guy, the Bezalel Academy of Arts and Design. Um, This is also only the third time in the Bible that we've had this phrase, the Spirit of God. So let me just remind you. So in verse 3, we're told, I have filled him, that's Bezalel, with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. But that phrase, the Spirit of God, or Ruah Elohim, has only appeared three times. Uh, The second time was Pharaoh saying that he could see the Spirit of God in Joseph. And the first time is Genesis 1 verse 2 in creation, when the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. You see, God created the world by his Spirit, and now he's creating his dwelling place within the world. But what's amazing is that Bezalel is just an ordinary guy, You know, this isn't some great leader. This isn't Moses. This isn't Abraham. This is Bezalel, a lay person, an ordinary guy. And that reminds us that with God, the ordinary is transformed into the extraordinary. And that the Holy Spirit is more active, more of an agent in the world than perhaps we give him credit for. But why... Does God go to all this effort? If you look back at the passage from verse 7 to 11, uh, God wants the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law with the atonement cover on it and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, the woven garments, and that goes on and on. Why does it matter that much? It's because it's all about worship of God 
and communication and connection with God. God was designing his dwelling place upon the earth and with his people. So this was no small thing. But the tabernacle also symbolized how a sinful people could come into and live with the presence of a holy God. Well, what about us now? We don't have a tabernacle. Is it about the rock project? Is it calling us to build something worthy of the God that we worship? Or to try? (laughs) Maybe. But also it's a message individually for every single one of us because Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, verse 22, in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Because in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was necessary and all of the systems of sacrifice was necessary to allow a sinful people to come anywhere near to God. But we live post-Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. And that has opened the door that we can not only one-to-one relate to our God, but we're told as Christians the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are the tabernacle. We are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? And in 6.19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And that means that the wonder of the detail and importance of this creation in Exodus becomes the wonder that that is an honor given to us. And we are as precious and as carefully designed and as built for a purpose as the tabernacle so and I'm going to finish here Ken could we have the final slide I just wanted to wrap up with these questions for you what is it that God is drawing your eyes up to see afresh Where are you called to serve and give more than you think you can? But you know you're stepping out in God's provision. Where might the ordinary be being transformed into the extraordinary? I think that's really important because sometimes I make the mistake of thinking, when I get here, when I get to that point... When I've been promoted to that role, then I'll be really useful for God. But God's reminding us that it's in exactly where we are right now, in the ordinary every day, in the Monday that you will go into tomorrow, that God is calling us to serve him by his Holy Spirit. And that could absolutely transform places where we work. And by work, I don't just mean the paid employment, but whatever it is that we do. God can transform those situations, those places, if we'll let him. 
if we ourselves will be the place where the Holy Spirit dwells and goes into those places within us. What is your act of worship to a God who would give it all to come and dwell with you? And finally, what does the Holy Spirit living in you want to inspire you to?